Okay, folks, uh, this podcast today is uh, dated June 27, 2020 at 2.35 p.m. <clears throat> and it's basically going to talk about uh, targeted individual cases that have been recorded in history uh, in law books. And um, today is the first case that I'm going to present to you uh, who, who all are listening, who are listening, li- li- listening, yeah, we have some listening for that COVID for you. All the audience that are listening to my uh, podcast today, it's going to deal with uh, cases that are reflecting the targeted individual and disasters that have happened throughout the years. <clears throat> uh, the first case I'm going to present to you is United States versus Reynolds. United States versus Reynolds. R-E-Y-N-L-O-D-S. In United States versus Reynolds, uh, this case uh, was about uh, three employees of the company called Radio Corporation of America. It was an Air Force contractor who were killed when a B-29 Super, Super Fortress crashed in 1948 in Waycross, Georgia. Their widows brought an action in tort-seeking damages in the federal court under the Federal Tort Claims Act. As part of this action, they requested production of accident reports concerning the crash, but were told by the Air Force that the release of such details would threaten national security. Because of the failure of the government to produce these documents, a direct verdict in favor of the plaintiffs were granted by the trial court. The judge was affirmed by the United States Court of Appeals for the Third Circuit. For the Third Circuit, the United States Supreme Court reversed the decision and remanded it to the trial court. After this, a settlement was reached with the widows who received an aggregate sum of 170000 in exchange for release of liability to the government. Okay, folks, well, there you go. In that case, uh, there were several issues in revolved national security, as you can see there. Uh, this was back in 1948 in the process of developing a satellites and the procedures of uh, special secrecy devices. Um, in this case here, uh, there's a lot more to it. Uh, and it talks about the uh, the government not able to produce these documents, which is you know part of the court court's information. We want we want blueprints to what is going on in in this in these cases of targeting and torturing using electronic harassment and satellite weapons. We want blueprints. We want documentation. And in this case, uh, they would not come forward with these documents because of the fact that it would threaten national security. So. Um, there's a lot of questions, you know, uh, does does the court have a duty uh, to, to claim these documents if it's in the best interest of our country and Americans, and affecting Americans? Because if they do this to Americans now, they're doing this to Americans continuously from 1948 into this present time. And this time it's even worse because we've got more advanced in technology with smartphones and laptops, computers, wind towers, satellites now, and it's more sophisticated in attacking Americans, Okay. So, I mean, to settle out of court is not legitimate. It should be that you be able to, to codify this in, in some kind of legal book or a digest so that way lawyers can use it in, in, in the future of any case. So uh, uh, the, factual, the facts in the background was that it was a military aircraft on, on a flight to test a secret electronic equipment crashed. And certain civilian observers aboard were killed. There were widows sued the United States under the Federal Tort Claims Act and moved under Rule 34 of the Federal Rules of Civil Procedure for production of Air Force Accident Investigation Report and statements made by surviving crew members during the investigation. The Secretary of Air Force filed a formal claim of privilege, stating that the matters were privileged against disclosure under the Air Force regulations issued under RS Section 161 that the aircraft and its personnel were engaged in highly, highly secret mission. The Judge Advocate General filed an affidavit stating that the material could not be furnished without seriously hampering national security. 
but he offered to produce surviving crew members for an, uh, for examination by the plaintiffs and to permit them to testify as to all matters except those of classified nature. In the absence of the documents which the Air Force failed to produce, the trial court directed a summary judgment for the plaintiffs against the government. The appeals court of the Third Circuit affirmed the decision. The United States, have, uh, appealed, the United States appealed to the Supreme Court in Satori. So, it involved the secrecy, folks. It involved the secrecy. But it's, it was, what, what's, what's harming in this way is that those documents should be produced in the court of law, bottom line. That's how mistakes are clarified. It's cleared that way. Okay? Uh, I'm going to leave you with that. That's a good case. Uh, you ought to look at it. Uh, that was a plane crash, folks. And, and it's scary to see that from 1948. I mean, there's been a lot of plane crashes in our country lately. Uh, Boeing has been in trouble. Uh, so just keep an eye on this. Uh, it's scary to know that we are an attack by satellites and electronic devices and that we have wind towers and smartphones and laptops that track us and track airplanes. But is, is, it, is, it, is it scary? Is it a secret to produce evidence in a court of law when it affects the population or our country? Thank you. Okay, I'm going to come back to United States versus Reynolds because I forgot to discuss and I will discuss in the future, uh, future of cases. Um, this was a private... Uh, a private contractor, okay? If you remember, three employees of Radio Corporation of America and Air Force contractor were killed in the, be, between the National uh, Fortress, okay? So because they were contractors of the government, they filed on the Federal Tort Claims Act, okay? And what is the Federal Tort Claims Act? The Federal Tort Claims Act uh, was passed back in August of 1946, August 2nd, 1946, okay? And it was a federal statute that permits private parties to sue the United States in a federal court for the most torts committed by persons acting on behalf of the United States. Okay, once again. In 1946, it's a federal statute that permits private parties to sue the United States in federal court for the most torts committed by persons acting on behalf of the United States. That is the Federal Tort Claims Act. You understand me? So there you are. I want to discuss that because that, that's, what, that's what it involved in that's what it involved in the case, in, in the actual case itself. They filed, it under, they filed it under the Federal Tort Claims Act because there were contractors of the government uh, working for the government uh, and, and it was uh, because of the damages sustained by the uh, secrecy of the damages that um, they wound up uh, settling out of court because it was a matter of national security, with threat national security. So once again, it's the Federal Tort Claims Act. Look it up, research it if you want. But that's the, that was the reason why the court, why the case was settled, because it was a matter of the Federal Tort Claims Act. Thank you.
Okay, folks, uh, this podcast is going to deal with uh, more cases coming to you. This is uh, more legal cases pertaining to targeted individuals. This case I'm going to present to you is a pretty interesting case because it, this case involves uh, federal employee harassment while on the job, being harassed by the federal government. Okay, so I have a case in front of here. It's a federal jurisdiction. It involves a, uh employee complaint. Uh, for violating uh, the civil rights, for the violating her her uh, employment complaint, but it, it only it only went to the district court. It didn't go any higher than that that I know of. Not yet. I haven't found it. But the contents of this lawsuit deals with being targeted and tortured and violated. But focus on the the information because this judge calls this case nutty. That the people complain of being targeted and t- tortured are nutty and frivolous, okay? That they are nutty and frivolous, and that it's delusional and it's wholly fanciful. That these cases presented to the courts of being tortured and targeted and stopped by electronic harassment and satellite weapons are nutty. They're delusional and wholly fanciful. That seems to be the same damn quote that's used in every damn decision by a federal judge. Can't they think of something better else to say besides delusional, wholly fanciful, you know, simply unbelievable or so nutty? I mean, come on, folks. These people are in charge of our lives. They're here to protect the American people. Okay, let's begin now. The case is called... Well, let me let me talk about where it's where it came from. It's in it was in the United States District Court for the District of Maryland. The caption is called Erica D. Taylor as a plaintiff versus the Obama administration, U.S. government, National Geospatial Intel Agency. Civil action case number R's and Romeo, D's and Delta, B's and Boy, dash one zero dash two two one four. Stamp file is going to be August 17, 2010. And I'm reading, I'm reading from the memorandum, the opinion, memorandum opinion from a district court. Here it goes. On August 11, 2010, the court received an instant pro se complaint accompanied by an indigency application. Plaintiff, a resident of Owens Mills, Maryland, claims that her human and civil rights have been violated and seeks $950 million in damages for pain and suffering, lost wages, hospital expenses, torture, human rights violation, wronging, stalking for almost one year, and mental turmoil. The complaint sets out the following factual statement. And here's what she says. I work for a defense contractor known as NGVC-LLC, primary contractor to National Geospatial Intelligence Agency, Bethesda, Maryland, from June 08 to September 09. While employed, I was harassed and retaliated against for asking the Inspector General to investigate a security incident that was deemed my fault. I was also chosen for what I believe to be a government mind control research and experimentation. This was conducted without my consent. Following what I thought was an experiment, I underwent electrical, elect, elect, electronic physical torture radiation to all parts of my body, mind emotional alterations, and AM now undergoing se- severe electronic harassment via voice-to-skull technology, which has resulted in me being mentally harassed. I have suffered invasion of privacy and implant technology, which is against my Christian beliefs. She said CAT 2340 has also been violated. Cruel and torturous treatment, inhumane treatment. 
This was not done at will or my consent. Organized stalking is also involved as well as the use of direct energy devices and weapons. I was also ritually abused and used as a human gambling event that followed me to every state in which I, would, which I traveled. I was also electronically harassed in each state in which I, was, I traveled. Okay? This is the judge's response. And I'm going to cite this from the judge's response. This is, uh, this is a judge that was in uh, the United States District Court for Maryland. His name is Richard D. Bennett. Yeah, you, Mr. Bennett. This case is dated August 16, 2010. This is during the Obama era. Okay, Obama was aware of his complaints, folks. And we'll discuss that a little later. But he was aware of his complaints on Americans that did nothing to protect us. This is what the judge says. Allegations and pro se complaints are to liberally construed and a court should not dismiss an action for the failure to state a claim unless after accepting all well pleaded allegations in the plaintiff's complaint as true and drawing all reasonable factual uh, inferences from those facts in the plaintiff's favor, it appears certain that the plaintiff cannot prove any set of facts in support of his claim entitlement him to relief. Okay. Courts are instructed that pro se filings, however unskillfully pleaded, must be liberally construed. Okay? However, the complaint must contain sufficient facts to raise the right to relief above spec, uh, spec, speculative level and state a claim to relief that is plausible in it, on its face. A claim having no arguable basis in law or fact may, may be dismissed as frivolous. Okay? Examples of frivolous claims include those whose factual allegations are so nutty, delusional, or wholly fanciful as to be simply unbelievable. Okay? Plaintiff's complaint, the plaintiff's, plaintiff's claims plainfully fall in the category of allegations. The complaint is replete with fantastic assertions of electronic torture, stalking, harassment, and mind control following her in her state-to-state travels. There you go, folks. So the judge calls this case nutty. He calls this case delusional. Holy, fanciful, and unbelievable, and unbelievable. But that's the same statement that was issued to the state and the, and the judge in my case in the state of Texas. The same quotes are cited in the same cases around the country. And it seemed to me this is the same, same citation that are used by judges around the world. Why can't they face the facts that Americans are being tortured? Why can't they face the facts that whistleblowers are being, are being presented to these courts are being presented to committees, the Senate and the Congress committees, and they're ignoring the facts. Dr. Robert Duncan and Jesse Ventura on YouTube talked about these allegations, that Americans are being tortured. And the government continues to fail to listen to these cases. And judges are just simply writing that Americans are so nutty and so delusional and wholly fanciful that this is unbelievable. Why is that, folks? Why is it the same thing is happening in Maryland as it is in Texas, in my case? Why is that, folks? Okay? I, I, I don't know what to say, folks, but it is going on. We are being targeted and tortured whether we like it or not. And the best thing you can do at this time is file a complaint. Let the judge hear your complaint. We must clog the courts with these complaints because judges that neglect to do their job should be impeached. And I say it again. Judges who do not do their job should be impeached, folks. Okay? If you want to read that case, go to the uh, United States District Court for the Maryland District, or the United States District Court for the District of Maryland, and look under case number 
RDB-10-2214, Erica D. Taylor versus Obama administration, U.S. government versus National Geospatial Intel Agency. Okay? Folks, uh, I don't know what to say, but whatever is happening in Texas is happening in Maryland. That's for certain. And it's obvious. And when you have evidence like that, that the same thing has happened in Texas and it happened in Maryland, there's a problem. But you can't ignore it as an FBI agency. You're supposed to be the police of our government, of our, of our country, not ignore the facts and continue on allowing the killing of Americans with these softly weapons of torture and electronic devices. You have to police this stuff. You're a law enforcement agency. Okay? So, folks, y- you can't deny it. Whatever's happening in Texas is happening in Maryland. It's happening on the job. In this case, she was harassed on the job. Uh, for trying to, uh, I guess they tried to pin her on something that went wrong and it wasn't her fault and she tried to appeal it and they went and harassed her, began harassment, okay? Uh, Karen Milton Stewart is another, uh, same situation happened with NASA, with, with the NSA. Same thing happened to, to Karen Milton Stewart and they harassed her and, 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 uh, and caused her to leave her job. So she's a whistleblower. Karen is very true about what she says and it's happening around the globe, folks. And if you blow the whistle, it's because you are targeted and you have the right to present that to the congressman, to Senate. Okay? But for a judge to call these cases so nutty, so delusional, and so frivolous is wrong, folks. It seems to me that's a scapegoat for every federal judge from state to state and and in the country. Citing the same cases, citing the same terms, of a legitimate complaint that's happening to Americans around the world. Why is that, folks? Okay, I'm going to end the podcast here. Like I said, uh, we are being stalked and tortured by electronic harassment and satellite weapons, whether we like it or not. People that have access to these carte blanche weapons are criminals. They're using America's war chest to attack Americans, and they should be stopped. And, uh, you know, uh, states should, uh, states, states, each state should develop a whistleblower program. If you come forward to the state, and you bring in a and you bring in a uh, uh, and you bring in bring in a, a criminal who's using these technologies, you should be given the award by the state, and the state should compensate you for bringing in the criminal that's using these electronic devices on Americans from state to state. That's the only way we're going to catch this and stop this is that we get these people in jail for using these weapons against the government, against our country, against the people. Okay, and it's not just happened to Americans, it's happened to police officers, it's happened to ambulance drivers, it's happened to doctors, the lawyers, and attorneys. But if you catch one good, good guy using these weapons and you report him and throw him in jail, you have a case, folks. Okay, anyway, uh, I'm going to end it here. Uh, thank you very much. And like I said, there will be, uh, there will be some more uh, cases coming to you. Okay, I'm going to present more cases. I'm going to let you go. Thank you, and God bless.
Okay, folks, uh, this podcast is another case that I'm going to bring to you. <clears throat> this case is another case of uh, torture technology, satellite weapons, and uh, you know, voice-to-skull technology. This case was heard in the United States District Court, Northern District of Ohio, Eastern Division. Okay, and I'll say it again. It was heard in the United States District Court, Northern District of Ohio, Eastern Division. Okay, I don't have any further information. I don't know if it went to the Supreme Court or not. But I know it was in a district court. The caption of the case is going to be Jesse Wayne Reed Jr. as a plaintiff versus Ray Mabus. Ray Mabus is the Secretary of the Navy as a defendant. Okay. Case number is going to be 1-15CV2054, Judge Christopher A. Boyko, B-O-Y-K-O. Okay, this is going to be the, uh, this is this is what his complaint is. Pro se plaintiff Jesse Wayne Reed Jr. filed this mandamus action against the Secretary of the Navy, Ray Mabus. His confidential assistant, Sam Erdhart, and 19 other defendants, including the federal officials and agencies. He alleges the defendant violated duties to him under the bad man provision of the Treaty of Fort Lorraine because they did not investigate his claim that the Navy's Seaman System Command in Washington, D.C., was sending wireless signals and via synthetic technology to harass him because he filed a lawsuit against the federal government. He seeks a mandamus release pursuant to 28 U.S.C. 1361 ordering the defendants to investigate his claim and cease and desist all harassing communication with him. He also seeks $10 million in monetary damages for violation of his constitutional rights under the 5th, under the 1st, 5th, 8th, and 14th Amendments. Okay. Plaintiff did not pay the filing fee and did not submit an application to proceed in form of pompers for the reasons stated below. This action is dismissed. So this dismissed it because he didn't file uh, in pompers. And here's the background of the judge. Jesse Reed Jr. claims the Navy Sea Command System is sending wireless harassment communication to him using synthetic technology to retaliate against him filing 
lawsuits against the federal government. This is a 13th identical case filed by the plaintiff, Jesse Reed, Jr. The other cases were filed in Northern District of Ohio. Two were filed in Southern District of Ohio. And the remaining cases were filed in the District of Nebraska, the District of Montana, and District of Alaska, the Eastern District of Pennsylvania, and the District of Arizona, District of Oregon, and District of Oklahoma. All of the other petitions were filed in August 17, 18, 20, 2015. We filed an identical mandamus petition in Northern District of Ohio. At the same time, we filed a petition bringing the total number of cases to 14. We contends he's preparing 16,000 60,000 petition for filing because the CIA is under is under the impression that he can they can harass him and he is intent of demonstrating he can do something about it. Okay? So there you go folks. Okay? The 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 people are being harassed. They're being targeted and tortured by the federal government. But once again I told you who is responsible for investigating these crimes? Is it your local police department? Is it the FBI, Federal Bureau of Investigations, who investigate crimes in the country? Is it the CIA who investigates foreign crime? Is it the Secret Service who investigate currencies and presidential crimes? Folks, it's the FBI, folks. They have a duty to investigate federal crimes that are happening in this country. And if they don't do it, they're, they're, they're negligent with malice. Okay, this guy went from state to state filing cases because he's being tortured and harassed. Okay, he's being harassed in every different state. He traveled. They continued to attack him. He filed a lawsuit. Okay, so he moved in every different state and he continued to be harassed. You cannot escape the satellite weapons. You cannot escape this system. There is no hiding and there is no defense. All you can do is submit your complaints. That's all you can do, folks. Okay? That is your defense. Because if they don't do the job, then what do you do? You can't shoot back at them with a satellite. You can't defend yourself. You can't go to the gun store and buy a satellite and launch that, folks. All you can do is submit a claim to the judge, and the judge has a duty to inspect it and investigate is this crime happening all over the country? Yes, it is, folks. The judges have a duty to investigate and inspect this. They have a duty to question the FBI. They have a duty to question the FBI of how many cases have been reported to your agency. And if they don't do it, there are negligence. Okay? So in this case, this guy is from Ohio, man, but he went to several different states where he continues to be harassed. You know? And, and he has a right to do that. So, uh, you know, like I said earlier from Maryland, Ohio now, you know, it, it's, 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 it's a trend now. It's happening around the country, folks. And the people that are responsible for investigating this are the FBI. You know, and until they do something about it, you know, our, our, our court should be clogged up with complaints, folks, because we are seeking assistance. We are seeking answers. And we continue to be ignored by our government. Okay? So, uh, the case is interesting. Synthetic technology. He says here that he's being attacked by synthetic technology. You know? Um, that he tried to escape the state he was in. And it kept on following him, attacking him. You know? Um, the guy has money to move around, man. I wish I had that kind of movie to move, move around too. He went from state to state. You know? They attacked him. He says they attacked him in uh, 
He says here that uh, he was attacked in Ohio, then went to the Southern District of Ohio, then he went to Nebraska, then he went to Montana, then to Alaska, then to Pennsylvania, to Arizona, to Oklahoma, to Oregon. I mean, this guy moved around, and they continued to follow him and stalk him and torture the guy. Okay? You cannot escape the system. It's, it's on one fucking frequency, man. So, I mean, it is up to the FBI to investigate these cases, folks. You're the police force of, of this agency. You took us, you swore to protect Americans under the FBI badge of honor. You swore to defend the country from domestic terrorism and civil rights. Why don't you do your job as an FBI agent? You advertise it on your website. We investigate civil rights. We investigate domestic terrorism. Do your job. We report it to you. If not, come to court and testify. You know, because we can't defend ourselves from satellite weapons and electronic harassment used against us. But we know one thing's for certain. The FBI, the CIA, and the NSA were all investigated back in 1970 under the Frank Church Committee. It took a bunch of badass to go there undercover and inspect the fucking FBI and the CIA and the NSA, and they caught them red-handed for targeting Americans, uh, eavesdropping and wiretapping Americans, and invading the privacy. The same thing needs to happen now to put the government back in its place. If not, they're going to continue to retaliate against Americans who are complaining about this, which is another law broken in the Constitution. You can't retaliate against an American who has filed a lawsuit in court and attack him with, with war weapons. It's treason, man. It's torture. Okay, folks, I'm going to leave that, uh, leave that to you, but it is happening, folks. We are being tortured, and you should file your case in court. Uh, it is your right under the First Amendment to freedom, the freedom to redress the government for grievances. You should be able to file a complaint against the government. All right, folks. Uh, but I'm going to leave you with that. I mean, that's about as all I can do, folks, is that, you know, uh, we have to just hope and pray that, that one, that the Supreme Court, you know, that the Supreme Court uh, uh, hear, hears us because it's, it's just, uh, it's ridiculous that Americans are going through the, through this uh, suffering and this uh, and this illegal uh, illegal uh, tactic by the government of attacking Americans with satellite weapons. We can't defend ourselves. Okay, we can't defend ourselves. And I hope to God uh, that these judges hear these people out because it should be stopped. Okay, God bless. Thank you.
Okay, uh, this podcast this evening is going to be on a new case. Like I said, I'm presenting you cases about targeted individuals. Uh, this case I'm going to present to you is uh, called Richard Kane versus Barack H. Obama. Uh, let's see, it was in the United States District Court, CD, California, and it's titled Richard L. Kane versus uh, Barack H. Obama. The case number is C is in Charles V's and Victor dash one four dash five seven three five dash DMG signed August 6, 2014. Okay, so it's it says here it says the uh, judge presiding was going to be Dolly M G G E E, the district judge. Okay, the background is basically this, folks. On July 23rd, 2014, the plaintiff paid the filing fee and filed a pro se civil rights complaint pursuant to uh, Title 42, USC Section 1983, 1985, and 1986, and Bivens versus six unknown name agents of the Federal Bureau of Narcotics, 403 U.S. 3891 SCT-199, 2nd uh, LED-2619-1971. The 83-page uh, complaint is accompanied by uh, voluminous attachments. The plaintiff supports to sue the President of the United States and the United States Department of Defense, the Central Intelligence Agency, United States Navy, Space and Naval Warfare System Command, United States Army Material Command, L3 Communication, Private Foundation, Private Health Care Entities, Individual Health Care Professionals and Unknown Federal Agents, and 100 fictitious Don uh, Doe defendants. The plaintiff alleges that the various federal agencies have caused military-grade biomedical devices to be implanted in the bodies of plaintiffs and his two minor children. These radiofrequency devices allegedly permit defendants to control and track plaintiff's movements, control or alter plaintiff's mind, and cause the plaintiff to suffer physically. The supposed devices allegedly make plaintiffs appear mentally ill. The government defendants also allegedly conduct surveillance on the plaintiff and use military aircraft and police and fire department sirens to attempt to cause plaintiff to suffer a mental breakdown. The plaintiff alleges the use of shielding devices assertedly foiled. Defendants alleged p- plan to cause plaintiff to suffer a mental breakdown. The uh, health care defendants, defendants allegedly falsified the results of various medical examinations uh, purportedly conducted on the plaintiff and his children in order to conceal the alleged presence of the, the implanted devices. This alleged uh, falsification supposedly was a part of a asserted conspiracy to conceal the government's defendants alleged use implants to monitor and control the plaintiff and his children and to cause him pain. Defendant allegedly triggered the device on days containing 9 or 1 and on the days before after September 11. Defendants also allegedly triggered the device during the plaintiff's uh, deposition in connection with the state court case which plaintiffs assertedly brought against some defendants. Defendants also allegedly conspired to frame plaintiff for crimes he allegedly did not commit and to label him a person of interest supposedly involved in a criminal in a criminality in the criminality I should say. The plaintiff alleges that the removal of devices will cause his death. Okay, so there you are, folks. This is this case is involved medical implant devices and, and tracking devices. Somewhat that I'm going to uh, to uh, interfere in the plaintiff's uh, privacy of his life, uh, tracking him and his children. Okay, um, I, I can't stress it anymore. We the, the cases are real. They've been in the federal courtrooms, and it's been it's been. Uh, bold and simple and I'm going to continue on here to discuss here on a discussion just typically claims such as those alleged by the plaintiff have been asserted by indigent plaintiffs I'm going to say it again typically claims such as those alleged by plaintiffs have been asserted by indigent plaintiffs and have suffered swift dismissal as frivolous 
or under the under, under the federal informal apomper statute. So do you see the thing here? They're inserting all the complaints that have been filed in the court have been considered frivolous. They're not taking any stand allowing the American people to submit their complaint or hear the complaint. They automatically assume that this case is frivolous and throw it out of court. Or is it okay? okay and it continues to say it says upholding dismissal of a complaint alleging that the federal judges and other subject plaintiffs to a voice of school technology. Upholding dismissal of a frivolous complaint alleging plaintiff was subject to electronic electromagnetic torture. Remaining for dismissal complaint alleging that the plaintiff was a victim of conspiracy involving various employers, teamsters, people of Indian descent, Amtrak police, and armed secret agents. Appeal dismissed. Upholding dismissal of frivolous complaint alleged that the zealot, fantastical woman employed by the FBI CIA used laser beam technology against the plaintiff. Okay, so there you go, folks. Uh, this case deals with technology, deals with uh, attacking the uh, American people, attacking Mr. Mr. Kane and his children. And you can read about that, like I said, and I'm going to give you the case number. It's here. It's stated in the United States District Court, CD, California, Richard Kane, the plaintiff, Richard L. Kane, the plaintiff, versus Barack H. Obama, the defendants. Case number is CV14-5735-DMG, dated August 6, 2014. It was held in Santa Barbara, Santa Barbara California. So as you can see there, folks, uh, we are being stocked. We are being implanted with devices. And we're being tracked and we're being tortured, plain and simple. Okay. Uh, the judges automatically conclude that the, the plaintiff's frivolous, that the plaintiff's was frivolous, delusional, and fanciful allegations. Okay, it says right here. And I'm gonna read what the judge said. Okay, let's go back up here. Discussion. Discussion. It says that this is this case is in, filed indigent by indigent plaintiffs. But he goes and says here that the uh, Plaintiff presently is not in form of paupers and apparently is not in custody. According to the plaintiff, it's not subject to restriction on frivolous complaints contained by the 42 U.S.C. Section 1915. However, a federal court lacks subject matter jurisdiction to consider claims to be, that are so insubstantial, implausible, force, force closed by prior decisions of this court, otherwise completely devoid of merit as to not, uh, not to involve a federal con a controversy. So what, it, what he's calling this case here, folks, is that this case is frivolous. OK, and that, you know, basically the, the, the people that are filing these cases are indigent. OK, and that's not that's not the case. I mean, these the, the judge is not allowing the plaintiffs to present their court case. And once again, he says the plaintiffs, frivolous, delusional and fanciful allegations do not confer subject matter jurisdiction to this court. There it, is, there it is again. He's stating that the plaintiffs, frivolous, delusional and fanciful allegations do not confer subject matter jurisdiction on this court. This is a federal court system, folks, and the scapegoat to answer the complaint of American citizens are called frivolous, delusional, and fanciful allegations and do not confer subject matter jurisdiction on this court. Okay, there it goes again, folks. This is in California now. This is a California federal courtroom. Okay, and, you know, um, and you, you can't deny this is not going on. If it's going on from state to state, it's going on from Texas, going on from... Oklahoma, Ohio, I mean, come on. I mean, what, what are you going to do, folks? So you got to press on. You go to the district court, then you go to the, the, uh, the appeals court, then you go to the Supreme Court, and it's up to the Supreme Court to challenge these questions. Are these case frivolous? Is this case delusional? Is it fanciful? If the complaint is playing about the same thing in California and Texas and Ohio, then this case can be fanciful. It can't be delusional. It can't be frivolous.
but in fact has merits because the Americans complain about this nationwide. Okay? Now, um, like I said, if you want more information on this case, please inquire about this case. It's important. It's uh, it's factual. Uh, I, you know, we're not delusional. We're not fanciful. We're not just uh, imagining this. Uh, we are being implanted, tracked, and tortured. Okay? Um, I, like I said, uh, there's more cases coming. I just want to kind of brief you on what is out there so you can research that. I'm just giving you information. Uh, you be the one to to uh, to seek this out. You be the one to... Uh, to see what is going on. And uh, that is the bottom line, folks. I cannot stress it anymore. I cannot stress it any best. And there it is. Okay, folks, this podcast is, again, it's a case. It's coming from uh, another uh, California. It's uh, Waderson versus Arrow. Waderson spelled W-A-T-T-E-R-S-O-N versus Arrow, A-R-O. A court ruling on uh, September 4, 2015, on Joshua Tree, California. Just to give you a quick brief here, it says, uh, Kathleen Waderson is a T.I. in Joshua Tree, California, who attempted to get a permanent restraining order against a former neighbor who still lives in her area and is assaulting her with microwave weapons. After many court dates, Kathleen was able to get a temporary restraining order. On uh, September 4, 2014, the, form, the former neighbor petitioned against a permanent restraining order and won. 
In a previous court, did the judge refer to a restraining order against the microwave assaults like controlling fog? But thanks to the judge's advice, Kathleen is working on a bigger and better case against the defendant. Read the judge's ruling below. It was Honorable Frank Gefkowski Jr. presiding. Okay. Kathleen Waderson was a plaintiff versus Mati B. Arrow, the defendant. Mr. Gahn is the defendant's attorney. And here's what the court has to say. The court says, thank you, Mr. Gahn. Appreciate that. Mr. Gahn is the, uh, the attorney representing Mr. Arrow. He says, uh, thank you, Mr. Gahn. Appreciate that. Okay. The issue before the court, if you look at the definition of harassment, harassment in this sense is which to be the dealt with under the code of civil procedure, which is what this is all about. I think it's 527. There's several variations of it, but what I'm suggesting is this. Harassment is knowing and willfully statement or course of conduct that puts a person in fear of themselves and serves no legitimate purpose. It's a course of conduct that annoys, harass, and so forth, causes a person to suffer perhaps emotional distress as well as physical harm. Now, I'm, I'm, lead to, I'm led to believe from Mrs. Waderson that she has complained to Mr. Arrow about this, and his expert did not see any evidence of the type of equipment that would potentially allow microwaves to be addressed to her properties in some distance away. Her expert said it is possible that, but we do not have evidence of this equipment itself. We're thinking that it, it, it emanates from this one dish and speculating that it had no that it had uh, it had to do with some microwave or microphone that was in dish or one way to dish was apparently directed that could cause the inference of a lifestyle. I am very satisfied that she has uh, suffered physical ailment because of her, uh, because of these microwaves. There is no doubt in my mind; it's quite clear and convincing that she has suffered this harm. The question that I have is to whether that it was the result of negligence on the part of Mister Arrow. He claims to be self-professed uh, self radio amateur buff. This is how I'm going to call him. I didn't know, I, I, I did not know any better that we had hooked up what was causing this harm, he says. Now whether the, the uh, transmutes of this transfer transmits to unwillfully intentional misconduct, clear and, uh, clear and convincing, I cannot say. Okay. So it is obvious here that the judge identifies that there was microwaves used in the case. To uh to harm Mrs. Mrs. Uh, Waderson. Okay, Mrs. Waderson says this is untangible, and the court says uh, the court says Mrs. Waderson, I'm speaking. There is no doubt in my mind that he has caused his harm, but what causes me reflection is that we do not have evidence of the actual generator that apparently is necessary to operate this dish in, in such a fashion. Maybe it exists, but I do not take it as an intentional invasion of this part. If it was, in my opinion, the result of his negligence hooking things up that it ultimately have caused harm to the neighbor. This is a subject of negligence civil suit with substantial damages, but this is another form. We're dealing here with what we appear to be a criminal act. Okay, so it's obvious that there's some kind of uh, targeting and torturing uh, of Mrs. Uh, Waderson uh, by Mr. Arrow. And uh, the judge is sided with her side. You know, this is a new technology. It's a new... Um, era of crime it's a silent weapon uh satellite weapons electronic harassment are, are coming into the picture now and the judges now are are not citing federal judges not citing this is a this court case was in uh i think joshua tree california which is a small uh i think state court not a federal court but a state court and so uh the judge did side with her on this and he believed that this was going on and that uh this was happening but uh, as for federal courts, uh, I don't think that they're trying to give it a chance 
to uh, to look at this picture, to look at the, the weapons, to look at the microwave weapons, in a sense, that they're neglecting to help the American people. So uh, take a look at this case. This case is called Waderson versus Arrow, and it was uh, ruling on uh, September 4, 2015 in Joshua Tree, California. Look it up on Google. Okay, but we are being targeted. We are being tortured, whether you like it or not, folks. And I'm going to keep on pushing cases because we need to know about these cases. And we need to know about judges that are neglecting to hear these cases, okay? Uh, all I can say, folks, is just uh, research that uh, to the best of your knowledge because uh, it is happening. Kathleen Waderson versus Arrow, it, it happened. Uh, she is being tortured. Uh, she is being stalked. And uh, the judge did find that, in fact, that uh, she's being tortured. Okay? Keep an eye on, on my podcast. I'm going to have more cases for you. Thank you. Okay, folks, uh, this podcast is going to deal with uh, the uh, National Security Agency, and it's titled this way. It says, uh, Caterbone, C-A-T-E-R-B-O-N-E versus National Security Agency, known as NSA, okay? It says it, uh, it pertains to the, it, this was filed in the United States District Court, ED in Pennsylvania. For all you Pennsylvanians out there, they are being tortured out there by satellite weapons and electronic harassment. It was dated October 4, 2018. The law that applies to this case is going to be 28 U.S.C. 1983, known as the Civil Rights cha- uh, Title. Okay, the, the, the plaintiff's name is Stanley J. Catterbone, Plaintiff Pro Se in Advanced Media Group, Plaintiff Pro Se in Advanced Media Group, LTD. The judge is going to be Jeffrey I. Schmel, Jeffrey I. Schmel, S-C-H-M-E-H-L, District Judge. Here we go, the memorandum. Plaintiff Stanley J. Ketterbone is a frequent pro se litigant in this court. Filed this apparent civil rights action against the National Security Agency, NSA, based primarily on allegations that the NSA had been subjecting him to mind control for three decades. He names Advanced Media Group and Advanced Media Group LTD as co-plaintiffs. 
He has also filed a motion for leave to proceed in Pompras. For the following reasons, the court will grant Caterbone leave to proceed in former Pompras and dismiss Advanced Media Group and Advanced Media Group LTD as co-plaintiffs because his proceeded against Caterbone may not present represent those entities in federal court. Okay. Now, he's trying to say that he dismisses the LTD group as part of a pro se complaint, which is kind of shaky in a sense. You have to appeal that. He continues to say that the court will also dismiss the Caterbone's complaint and place him on notice that the court may restrict his filing privileges if he continues to file frivolous lawsuits regarding his complaint, his claims, his claims of government mind control. Now, how can a court deny the fact that torturing and torturing Americans with satellite weapons electronic harassment doesn't exist? We're hearing this from, sta- from federal court to federal court in different states. This one's in Pennsylvania. He's calling this case frivolous again. You know, and so, I mean, this is just insane, folks, that the federal judges are not going to hear cases pertaining to torture and targeting Americans with satellite weapons. Okay, they're calling it frivolous. How can you call a case frivolous if it's happening around the world, folks? The judge is going to have to somehow, at some point in time, listen to these cases. Okay, here are the facts of this case. Since Caterbone's complaint is, is volume, voluminous and rambling, totaling 157 pages, a large portion of the complaint includes allegations that replicate ones Caterbone has bought in a previous lawsuit, including Caterbone versus Lancaster City, Bureau of Police, CIV 8 number 18-2710, and Caterbone versus National Security Agency, CIA number 17867. Once again, Caterbone's complaint contains allegations regarding the CIA and the FBI programs dating back to the 1940s, as well as e- events in the Caterbone's life for the past 30 years. The complaint recounts Caterbone's arrest and criminal prosecutions in Lancaster County and Stone Harbor, New Jersey. It is not clear how all Caterbone's allegations relate to each other or give rise to the claims against the NSA, and the court will not recount all of them. It says, the, to the extent any harmonizing theme can be gleaned from the complaint, Caterbone appears to be alleging that the NSA has been working with others to conspire against him, attack him, torture him, and threaten his life and property, thereby violating the various federal crime, federal criminal and civil rights laws. The basis for these allegations is Caterbone's contention that since 1987, he's been a victim of organized gang stalking, electronic and mind control manipulation and torture because of his alleged whistleblowing activities against the international defense contractor. Okay, here it goes. Because he was a whistleblower against an international defense contractor. Among other things, Caterbone claimed that the government authorities blanketing his dwelling and surrounding with electric magnetic energy and bombarding his body with uh, debilitating electronic and mind manipulation effects. These attacks have apparently caused Caterbone to develop telepathy. Caterbone also mentions that he has been deprived of sleep, had toxic chemicals introduced in his home, and has been stalked and mobbed in mass in Massey. And mobbed in mass. E-N-M-A-S-S-E. It appears that Caterbone reported the NSA mind manipulation activity as well as all the other incidents he claims that had happened, including perceived personal and business lights and authorities, but his concerns were not addressed. Caterbone complaints also vaguely mentions that he has been voluntarily committed over the years in 1987, 2006, 2009, 2010. He also mentioned instances of false imprisonment that occurred in 1987 and 2006, 
as well as an instance where he's, he was detained in, Mex in Mexico in a Mexican prison. It is unclear what relief Caterbone seeks. Okay. So we know that this is happening in Pennsylvania, okay? And once again, the judges are calling this frivolous. And it's happening. How do we know it's happening? I mean, look at Dr. Robert Duncan, the ex-CIA operative. His book called Taming a Demon. His book called Project Soulcatcher. He is a whistleblower of the CIA. He helped build his weapons, folks. How can you call this case frivolous as judges, folks? I'm going to continue on here. Standard of review. The court will grant Caterbone leave to proceed in former, in, in former pompers because it appears that he is incapable of paying the fees to commence the civil action. According to 28 U.S.C. 1915, require the court to dismiss a complaint, amend a complaint if they are frivolous or fails to state a claim. A complaint is frivolous if it, is la if it lacks an arguable basis either in, in law or fact. It is legally baseless if based on an indisputably meritless legal theory. Okay? That's what the judge is saying. Moreover, a court that considers whether an action is, mal is malicious must in accordance with the definition of the term malicious engage in subject inquiry into the litigation's motivation at the time of the filing of a lawsuit to determine whether an action is an attempt to vex, injure, or harass the defendant. Okay? In that regard, a district court may dismiss a complaint as malicious if, the, if it's plainly abusive or judicial process and merely repeats pending or previous litigation claims. Okay? Folks, I can't stress it anymore. The judges are denying access to be heard about torturing and targeting. It's obvious that we are being tortured, but why do federal judges are denying the case, folks? Why are they denying the case after case after case? It continues to say whether a complaint fails to state a claim under 1915 is governed by the same standard applicable to the motion to dismiss under federal rules of civil procedure. Okay? Um, the judge is simply calling this case frivolous, folks. Bottom line. Okay? He goes on to say the discussion here is Caterbone's claims fell for many reasons. His previous lawsuit have not succeeded first and primarily Caterbone's claims fell because they are factually frivolous. Okay. As indicated above, the general theme of Caterbone's numerous voluminous filings is that he has been a victim of tele telepathic intrusion, governmental government sabotage, uh, and harassment approximately three decades because he had acted as a whistleblower and followed various lawsuits. It appears that Caterbone has linked every adverse event in life, arrest, involuntary incompetence, medical, mental health issues, computer problems, and minor incidents of daily life to alleged conspiracy. His allegations appear to be based on a paranoid, delusional, grandeur, irrational thoughts, and fantastic scenarios that court have continuously found to lack arguable basis in fact. According, the court will dismiss the complaint as factual frivolous. So, they're dismissing this case as frivolous, folks. Okay? I don't know if this case went to the... Uh, to the Circuit Court of Appeals or not, but it says here that it was dis dismissed in a district court. But once again, uh, this person is being attacked by, you know, electronic harassment, satellite weapons. Okay? It says here, uh, for the foregoing reason, the court will grant Caterbone leave to proceed in former process and dismiss his complaint. Caterbone will not be given leave to amend because the amendment will be futile. Noted above, Caterbone's history of filing numerous frivolous complaints regarding his allegation of government mind control in his court. In light of this history, the court places Caterbone on notice that further baseless filings may result in restriction of his filing and privileges. Okay? When district court is confronted with a pattern of conduct, from it, can, can, it can only conclude that the litigant is intentionally abusing the judicial process will continue to, to use unless restraint. We believe is entitled to restore, resort to uh, power of injunction and contempt to protect this process. And a proper order follows. 
So once again, folks, the judges are siding. They're taking a side that these claims that Americans are filing are not true. But how are they not true if you have whistleblowers such as Dr. Robert Duncan who blew the whistle on all this? He's got a book, Taming a Demon. He's got a book, uh, Project Soulcatcher. He's on YouTube with Jesse Ventura. He's a CIA whistleblower who blew the whistle on all this. How was he allowed to blow the whistle and judges not allowed to hear the, judges are allowed, and federal judges are not allowed to hear the, hear the case? Doesn't make any sense, folks. Um, they are ignoring the fact and ignoring the consequences that if a case was to be heard and, and evidence was, to be, was, was supposed to be submitted, uh, that the government would have to close on the doors, especially the FBI, because they have a right and they have the duty to investigate this claim, folks. And they cannot deny the facts that Americans are being targeted and tortured. You know, and and if they continue to do this, folks, then we have to file you have to file against the, the FBI because they're liable. We are tortured, we feel the pain. There are tortures, we feel the pain, and they continue to attack us, uh, causing us to become mentally distressed, mentally insane, and, and causing us to be mentally confined in some institute. Okay? Uh, research the cases out there, it's happening. Thank you, and uh, I hope you find these evidence use, usable in your action or your court case. Thank you. Okay, folks, uh, this is this is going to be an important case that I want you to focus on, okay? Because this case is so important, uh, we search for the people that are responsible for investigating these satellite weapons and electronic harassment. Um, this, this case is titled HALE versus Federal Communications or FCC. HALE is spelled H-A-L-E versus Federal Communications Commission. The case number is uh, 15-CV. Dash two one eight dash J E D dash F H M, and this case was heard in Oklahoma. And it says here, uh, J- uh, Jana Marie Hale, plaintiff versus Federal Communications, E T A L defendants, United States District Court, N D Oklahoma, dated June twenty twenty second twenty seventeen. It talks about the uh, the law twenty eight U S C thirteen thirty one, in question. Okay, 
Uh, and I want to continue on. I'm going to open it up here. Uh, the ju- district judge for uh, Oklahoma was uh, John E. Doddle. D-O-D-O-W-D-E-L-L. It says, before the court is the plaintiff complaint, the plaintiff proceeding pro se, filed this action on April 27, 2015, seeking damages and injunctive relief for the reason discussed herein, plaintiff's complaint shall be dismissed. They dismissed the case. Let's go into the story now. It's, this is the background. It says, the complaint lists as defendants the Federal Communication Commission, known as the FCC, Broadcasting Satellite Services, and SCADA, S-C-A-D-E, Frequency Allocation Investigation Report. In sum, although the complaint is lengthy, lengthy and difficult to decipher, plaintiff appears to allege that she has been a victim of electronic harassment in the form of satellite frequencies being received by and emitted from her body. The plaintiff asserts that the emissions uh, have released harmful chemical substances in her body and have caused her health issues. The complaint refers to two unidentified doctors who determined that the plaintiff had an abnormal blood account reading. The plaintiff relies on 126 pages of attachment to state her claim, informing the court that the attachments best describe the situation. The attachments consist of reports describing testing conduct on the plaintiff's body by Melinda Kidder, a private investigator and owner of Columbia Investigations, and Hildegard Stanninger, an industrial toxicologist and founder of Integrative Health Systems, LLC, various Michigan public acts, a weeklypedia page on frequency allocation, and a comprehensible handwritten notes. Ms. Kidder reports reveals that she was engaged by the plaintiff to perform scans of plaintiff's body to test her or to test for presence of technology implanted in her body with her, without her consent. Ms. Kidder concluded that the scans revealed abnormal readings and higher than normal electromagnetic frequency emissions from the plaintiff's body. Mrs. Stanager reports incorporates the findings of Mrs. Kidder's report and concludes that the plaintiff's body has five receiving signals and signal frequency emissions. The report said that the frequencies are allowed by and assigned from the FCC and the secondary allocation of the frequencies are assigned to countries that speak French. The plaintiff's complaint asserts jurisdiction pursuant to United States tropical islands in Europe. Plaintiff requests an unspecified amount of monetary damage comprised of the following SCADA, uh, SCADA SCADA assessment cost proposal. 20 years of house payments, automobile payments for herself and for her daughter, all future medical costs for herself, Taylor Sky, Hale Hunter, Hale, her parents, anyone else with health issues. Plaintiff's complaint also appears to seek injunctive release as she states to stop the crime, not target individuals anymore. The plaintiff asserts that she is concerned for the city of Tulsa, its citizens, and especially the neighbors and city officials. Okay, let's look at the legal standards of this case. It says the plaintiff's proceeding in form of pompers pursuant to 28 U.S.C. 1915 A1, which provides that any court of the United States may authorize the commencement of prosecution defense of any suit without prepayment fees by a person who submits an affidavit that includes a statement of all assets such as prisoners possess that in person is unable to pay for such fees. Although the plaintiff is not a prisoner, the Tenth Circuit has held that uh, in Section 1915A that it is not limited to prisoners. Okay. See Lester versus Department of Treasury, 408 F3D 1309, 1312, Tenth Circuit, 10, uh, Tenth Circuit 2005. Section 1915A applies to all persons applying for a form and pomper status and not just prisoners. 
Enacting Section 1915A, Congress intended to provide indigent, indigent litigants meaningful access to the federal courts. Look at Netsky versus Williams, 490 U.S., 319, 324, 1989. Congress recognized, however, that the, the litigant whose filing fees and court costs assumed by the public, unlike a pain litigant, lacks an economic incentive to refrain from filing of frivolous, malicious, and repetitive lawsuits. To prevent frivolous filings, the statute, the statute authorizes a court to Suspamonte dismissed the case filed in former pompers where the action is frivolous or malicious. The plaintiff has failed to state a claim upon which relief can be granted. The defendant is entitled to immunity or the plaintiff has include false allegations of poverty. See Section 28 U.S.C. 1915E to Stafford v. United States uh, 28F3D1177-1179 and 4 10th Circuit 2000. The plaintiff alleges a plaintiff also the plaintiff also proceeding pro se pro se pleadings must liberally construed and held to less stringent standards than formal pleadings drafted by lawyers. See Hayne versus Kerner 404 U.S. 519-520-1972. Nevertheless, a district court should not assume the role of an advocate. Hall versus Belmont 935 F2D 1106 1110 10th Circuit 1991. See also United States versus Pinson. 584 F3D 972-975-10th Circuit 2009. Rule of liberal construction of pro se filings stop, however, at the point at which we begin to serve as an advocate. But even the pro se plaintiffs required to comply with the fundamental requirements of federal rules of civil procedure and appellate procedure in a sustainable law and the liberal construction to be afforded does not transform vague and conclusory arguments into a valid claim for relief. See Ogden versus San Juan City. 32F3D 452-455, 10th Circuit, 1994. A court will now supply a court not supply additional factual allegations to round up round out a plaintiff's complaint or construct legal theory on a plaintiff's behalf. Whitney versus New Mexico, 1113, F3D 1170, 1173, and 74, 10th Circuit, 1997. The liberal standard applicable to a pro se plaintiff does not relieve the plaintiff of burden of alleging a sufficient fact on which recognized legal claims could be based. Hall 935, F2D at 1110. So a dismissal of process of complaint is proper only where it is obvious that the plaintiff cannot prevail on the facts that he has alleged and it would be futile to give an opportunity to amend. Perkins versus Kahn, Department of Corrections, 165, F3D, 803, 806, 10th Circuit, 199. <clears throat> The discussion. Before setting sufficiency to the plaintiff's complaint, the court must first identify the proper parties in this case. Generally, the caption of all complaints shall include the names of all parties in Federal Rule Civil Procedure uh, 10A, but in a pro se case when the plaintiff names the wrong defendant in the caption or when the identity of a person is unclear from the caption, courts may look to the body of the complaint to determine who the intended, who the intended and proper defendants are. Trackville versus United States Government, 472 F3D, 1242, 10th Circuit, 2007. Addition, the federal rules of civil procedure provide that the misjoinder of parties is not ground for dismissing an action. On a motion or its own, the court may at any time on just terms add or drop a party. Federal Civil Procedure Rule 21. Okay. <clears throat> now let's go to my case. In my case, uh, I, had a, I had an incident like that because I had, uh, I had filed the correct parties in the district court and then the district court handed the wrong caption. The Fifth Circuit made uh, made a gesture about my caption, so I moved to file a motion to change the caption, and they denied that. 
And I even include a Supreme Court case, and they still denied it. So that's another, that's another uh, mark against the Fifth Circuit Court of Appeals. Okay, I'm going to continue on this case. It says, in this case, it appears that the plaintiff had incorrectly named as a defendant scatter frequency allocation investigation report. Upon examination of the plaintiff's complaint, the court has determined that the subject name does not refer to a suable entity, but is, is, but is a report describing plaintiff's testing result by Mrs. Stanager of IHS. According to scatter frequency allocation investigation report, it's not proper defendant in this case. Additionally, there is no indication in the complaint that the plaintiff instead sought to hold IHS liable for wrongful conduct. To the contrary, the plaintiff appears to use the findings of IHS report as support for her claim that she has suffered harm due to alleged electronic harassment. As a result, the court is able to determine from the body of the complaint that the plaintiff does not intend to sue IHS. The court concludes that the action should be dismissed as frivolous under 1950E2BI. A lawsuit will be properly dismissed as frivolous under 1950E2BI if the claim is based on indisputable merits, legal theory, or is found on clearly baseless factual con- contentions. Back again. Frivolous. It seems to be the going, com- the going solution for all federal complaints by targeted individuals filing courts. I'm going to continue on here. Okay. Schuyler versus Thomas, 1111 F3D 7779-10th Circuit, 1997, quoting Niska Winslinski, 490 U.S. 319-27-1999. A finding of factual frivolousness is appropriate when the, acts, when the facts alleged rise to the level of the irrational or the wholly incredible. Denton versus Hernandez, 404, 504 U.S. 2533-192. Plaintiff's lawsuit essentially alleges that the technology was somehow implanted in her body without knowledge or consent, and that her health is suffering due to transmission of satellite frequencies through the implant technology. These factual allegations border on delusion. The Tenth Circuit has affirmed the dismissal of similar lawsuits on frivolous grounds under 1915E2. See Murray versus United States 475, uh, Federal Appeals 311-312, Tenth Circuit 2012, unpublished. It was an unpublished, uh, unpublished case. Complaining, a plaintiff alleged uh, various conspiracies by government, including the use of satellite to damage the plaintiff's reproductive system, was properly dismissed as frivolous. Okay, Thibault versus Kane, four four eight, appeal eight six three eight sixty four, tenth circuit twelve twelve, unpublished. Again, an unpublished case. You don't see these cases because they're unpublished and it should not be unpublished. Okay, it says there a brosse lawsuit alleging that the wire had been implanted in the plaintiff's body to monitor his thoughts was factually frivolous. Forrest versus U.S. Attorney General four four two. Uh, F Appeal 383 10th Circuit 2011 unpublished, affirming 19E to dismissal of civil rights complaint alleging that the government used outer space satellites torture to, to the plaintiff and, fa- and his family members. Owens L versus Plew 16E 878 10th Circuit unpublished. So all these cases are unpublished, affirming dismissal of claims that factually, factually frivolous were prisoner alleged harassment and torture by way of mind control device, despite the apparent uh, sincerity of the of the plaintiff's belief in allegations. It is clear that this that the lawsuit is factually frivolous and should thus be dismissed pursuant to 1915E2BI. The complaint should be dismissed for additional reason that the, the that the even construing plaintiff's com, uh, complaint liberally, the lawsuit fails to state the claim under 1915E2B2. First, the complaint alleges that the FCC is a United States military base and radio transmitter, but contains no allegations of wrongful act conduct by the FCC that would allow plaintiff relief under the federal law. If the plaintiff alleges the claim pursuant to Bevins v. 6, unknown agents of the Federal Bureau of Narcotics and 403 U.S. 388, 1971, 
for violation of her constitutional rights, her claim fails because Bivens' actions cannot be brought against federal agencies such as the FCC, FDIC versus Meyer, 510 U.S. 471. <clears throat> okay. Second, in respect to broadcasting satellite services, the only information plaintiff provides is that the asserted defendant is, is a citizen of Korea. But even, even this statement is speculative at best. To be clear, it appears the plaintiff asserts is based upon misdemeanor report referencing the existence of various satellite frequency with allocation in Korea. But is the same document also reference frequency allocation in India? It says here, Second, with respect to broadcasting satellite services, and only information plaintiff provides is that the asserted defendant is a citizen of Korea. But even if the statement is speculative at best, to be clear, it appears that the plaintiff assertion is based upon Ms. Stanager's report referencing the existence of various satellite frequencies with allocations in Korea, but the same document also references frequency allocations in India, Japan, Pakistan, Thailand, uh, Kazakhstan, Turkmenistan. Further, it is unclear whether the broadcast satellite service is legally suable in entity. Indeed, it seems that the plaintiff's decision to name broadcast satellite service as part to a lawsuit is solely the result of misdemeanor reference to the existence of broadcasting satellite service companies in general. To the extent that the plaintiff is requesting the court investigate what broadcasting satellite service is responsible for transmission of that frequency body, this requires or this requested relief has basis in law. It is not province to the court to the conduct investigating the party's behalf. Moreover, the plaintiff's complaint is void and any mention of what the federal right is uncomplicated in the lawsuit. For the reason the plaintiff claims that whatever they may be must, like was be dismissed pursuant to the to the uh, 1915. Not only is the plaintiff unavailable to prevail on the facts alleged, the court cannot conceive in any manner in which the plaintiff could amend her pleadings to state plausible claim for relief. Namely, the speculative nature of this case makes it clear that the, the defects in the plaintiff's complaint are incurable, unlike the case where admitted is proper because of pro se litigant factual allegations too close stating that the claim but are missing in some important elements that may have occurred to him. Hall 935 S2D at 1110. Plaintiff that her body has been targeted as a conduit for satellite frequencies is far from stating a plausible claim that would be that would in, uh, entitle her to relief. The court does find his dismissal prejudice appropriate. C. Curry versus Perry 246 F3D 2078. When it, when 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 it is patently obvious that the plaintiff could not prevail on the facts alleged, allowing him to uh, allowing him to amend his complaint would be futile. Okay. So they're calling this case frivolous again, okay? For the reason set forth, the plaintiff complaint is hereby dismissed prejudice. A separate judgment of dismissal will be filled for forfeit, so ordered. Okay. So they're calling this case frivolous, okay? But once again, we are being targeted and tortured, folks, and they have to investigate this. This is in Oklahoma, okay? This is a case in Oklahoma, folks. Okay, the people that are responsible for investigating the crime is the FBI. They have to be entwined in this investigation. Okay, my question to the FBI is how many cases of targeted individuals have been reported to the FBI? Satellite weapons and electronic harassment have been reported to the FBI. And what has the FBI done to investigate this? If it's happening worldwide, why isn't the FBI questions? Why isn't they sued? And why aren't they coming forward to answer questions? Okay? That's what I would do. I would seek something to that extent that the FBI um, should be investigating this and not ignoring the problem. Um, and that's the bottom line, folks. Uh, they should not be uh, ignoring the complaint. Uh, I hope this case is useful. And I hope you use this case and your future case to help 
Americans solve the problem of satellite weapons and electronic harassment. Thank you. Podcast on Hill versus the FCC. If you look into the case, it says uh, in Hill, she's complaining that he's being attacked by satellite weapons and electronic harassment, but she also states that it does interrupt the, the blood cell count. Okay, and it does. It does interrupt the, the blood cell count. If you're continuously attacked by radiation microwave frequencies, your body is continuing to send white blood cell count to the area of attack increasing the white blood cells. And if you don't believe me, look at medical reports from any medical journal. It'll tell you. And it's just like being cut with a knife. When you're cut with a knife, the white blood cell count rush to the to the cut uh, to heal, to replicate, to start the matrix of skin rebuilding and replenishing the white blood cell count, coagulation and such. So you have to look at the medical journal, but it does have an effect on your white blood cell count and possibly your red blood cell count. Thank you. Okay, uh, this podcast today is going to be another case to you. This is another case in the uh, federal courts. And the federal courts are once again denying to hear the cases. The caption of this case is going to be titled uh, uh, El Sung Jung, Jung, which is an Asian descent American who brought a claim against uh, CIA Director Leon Edward Panetta in the Central Intelligence Agency Office of the Public Affairs. This was bought in the United States District Court, Eastern District of New York. Case number 10CIV.0513BMC. Okay. And just to give you a little brief of what went on here, it was uh, dated back on April. It says on April, on February 4th, 2010, plaintiff Sung Jung appearing pro se filed this action against defendant. The plaintiff play, uh, paid the, the requisite filing fee to commence this action. For the reasons set forth below, the complaint is dismissed. The background says... The plaintiff, the plaintiff previously filed a complaint on January 12, 2010 against Mayor Bloomberg and Governor Patterson, which he alleged he was a target of electronic harassment and mind control, direct energy weapons, organized stalking, electronic torture, and human experimentation. Okay? It, it says here, I, 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 the judge it says, I dismissed a complaint on frivolous, frivolous on January 19, 2010, uh, in, in uh, C. Jung versus Bloomberg, E-T-A-L, uh, 10 Dash CV dash zero one one eight in New York, ED New York, January 19, 20, 2010. The plaintiff presents action that appears to assert similar allegations against CI Director Panetta. For example, the plaintiff alleges 
that he has been victimized and tortured by inflicted electromagnetic weaponry, directed energy weapons, microwave auditory effect weaponry, induced sleep deprivation, insect planting in my home, organized stalking, home vandalism, uh, daily and constant inflicted sabotage and harassment. Plaintiff is seeking protection from stalking with bioelectronic weapons and a payment of all personal injuries resulting from it. He also requested the CIA provide 365 days a year investigation into mind control abuses and torture and order an agent to assign these cases. Okay? The discussion here says, in reviewing the plaintiff's complaint, the court is mindful that a pro se complaint, however, inartfully pleaded, must be held to less stringent standards than formal pleadings drafted by lawyers. However, district courts may dismiss a frivolous complaint, suspamante, even when the plaintiff has paid the required filing fee, just as courts of appeals may dismiss frivolous matters in circumstances. Once again, once again, the, the, the way the judges are getting out of it, they're calling these cases frivolous. Okay? It says, an action is a frivolous as a matter of law when inter alia, the factual contentions are clearly baseless, such as when allegations are product of delusional or fantasy. There it goes again, the word delusional. Or it is based an indisputably meritless legal theory. Okay? Even under a liberal reading, plaintiff's latest allegations are once again the product of delusional or fantasy and are factually frivolous. According to the complaint, is dismissed as frivolous pursuant to uh, the case. Plaintiff is advised that any future complaint filed before this court will be closely scrutinized and that he may be subject to restriction on his ability to file if circumstances warrant. Although the plaintiff paid the filing fee to commence this action, the court certifies pursuant 28-1915-A3 that any appeal from this order will not be taken in good faith and Dorfman Pomper's status is denied for the purpose of an appeal. This was signed and ordered by Brooklyn, New York, February 9, 2010, signed by Judge Brian M. Kogan. Okay. Once again, folks, uh, they're calling this cases presented by Americans frivolous. They're calling it factually frivolous delusion and fantasy. Okay? I mean, but you have to understand. You have a whistleblower who blew the whistle under the Whistleblowing Act, his name is Dr. Robert Duncan, ex-CIA intelligence officer, versus these judges. Who was wrong? The judges claiming this delusional or the CIA who claims that he blew the whistle on what's going on? I'm still scratching my head. You figure that out and you, you find the questions and answers for that because I'm still to understand why we have whistleblowers blowing the whistle on targeted and tortured Americans with satellite weapons and electronic harassment, but then you have federal judges denying cases in federal courts. Why is that? And and I and I want to I want to clarify that because we have to understand that the the federal jurisdiction of whistleblower is that we're being tortured and stalked by the government and that it should be stopped. But if you blow the whistles because you're claiming that the government is wrongfully attacking Americans, okay? So uh, I'm still scratching my head at this and still would want answers as to why this is going on, okay? Um, look for more cases. I'm coming to you. Okay, thank you, and we'll talk to you later. Okay, folks, this uh, podcast is another case coming to you. Uh, another federal court case. Uh, this is going to be titled um, 
Keith Salvatore Labella versus the FBI, Federal Bureau of Investigation, ETAL. This case was filed January 4th, 2011, back in the U.S. District Court for the Eastern District of New York, Brooklyn. The judge was Nicholas G. Garefis and Louis Bloom. Okay, this is about targeted individuals, folks. It's about being tortured and stalked by the federal government, Okay. And I'm going to cover a little bit of overview of this case because this is cases presenting to the judges uh, year after year after year. And it's coming from all over the country. But these judges are still using fictitious or frivolous lawsuits when, in fact, we have whistleblowers that say different. Federal whistleblowers, Dr. Robert Duncan, Karen Milton Stewart, uh, Ted Gunderson from the FBI. These guys are whistleblowers, folks. I mean, which is it? Is the, is the whistleblowers telling lies or the judges hiding the conspiracy? Which is it? Well, anyway, let me proceed on with this case. This, this case is uh, Keith Salvatore LaBella versus the Federal Bureau of Investigations, the U.S. Department of Justice, Office of Justice Programs, okay? And that case number is going to be 1, colon, 2011-CV-00023 in the U.S. District Court of Eastern District of New York, Brooklyn. The overview says plaintiff Keith LaBella brings this pro se action pursuant to the Freedom of Information Act, Title 5 U.S.C. 552. The FOIA against Defendant's Federal Bureau of Investigations, Office of Justice Programs, United States Department of Justice. Plaintiff seeks the production of certain documents related to gang stalking from defendant FBI and seeks the production of certain data related to the Supplemental Victim Victimization Survey to the National Crime Victim Survey 2006. From the defendant's OJP. Defendants and the plaintiff both moved for summary judgment pursuant to Rule 56 of the Federal Rules of Civil Procedure. The Honorable Nicholas G. Garefis referred to parties' motions to met to me uh, to me for a report of recommendation pursuant to the U.S. 28 U.S.C. 636B. For the following reason, it is respectfully commended, recommended that the plaintiff's motion for summary judgment should be denied and the defendant's motion for uh, summary judgment should be granted. LaBella's request. By letter dated January 11, 2010, LaBella submitted a FOIA request to the Federal Bureau of Investigation seeking 37 categories of documents relating to the national phenomenon, phenomenon of gang stalking. The request defines gang stalking as follows. Gang stalking involves group of individuals, gang stalking groups, operating territorial and nationwide, and in communication and collusion with each other to violate the civil rights and disrupt, destabilize and finally destroy individuals who are put on stocking lists for various reasons. The gang stalking groups use both intensive physical and electronic surveillance means to do this, including but not limited to street theater, in which targets of gang stalking are subject to public, to rudeness, loudspeaking, personal references to themselves and to the private activities by persons with gang stalking conspiracies, and related to a fiash mobbing, or coming together of an often large group of individuals in gang stalking conspiracy to disrupt Intimidate, harass, or otherwise confuse a gang stalking victim. Okay? This was requested by this individual. The FBI, when you file a complaint with the FBI, the Federal Bureau of Investigations, they have to keep track of this. They can't hide the conspiracy of gang stalking, folks. Electronic harassment. It's all recorded in the definition of the Congressional Library and the FBI Library for what you report, what you report on. You can't change the title of reports. Gang stalking, electronic surveillance, electronic harassment. Okay? All right, I'm going to continue on here. The FBI search and response. 
By letter dated November 10, 2010, the FBI released a 298 partially redacted, a partially redacted pages to LaBella that had been previously processed from another FOIA request for information related to gang stalking. Okay, it was redacted. It was it was hidden. There's information hidden in the pages. They were blacked out. The previous request was identical to LaBella's, LaBella's request, with the exception that 36 and 37 categories of documents in LaBella's request were not included in the original request. The search in connection with the previous request was conducted on December 9, 2009. The FBI searched the CRS using the following search terms gang stalking, community stalking, group stalking, organized stalking, cause stalking, revenge stalking, vigilante stalking, terrorist stalking, community-based harassment, gaslighting, gang stalking groups, street theater, flash mobbing, gang stalking method, flash mob, noisy campaigns, Work groups, gang stalking lists, gang stalking members, gang stalking group members, and stalking. As a result of this search, the FBI identified two main files and one cross-reference file as potentially responsive to the request. The FBI was unable to locate one of the two main files and determined that the cross-reference file was not responsive to the December 2009 request. Thus, only one of the main files was determined to be responsive and documents from that file were released to LaBella with redactions. So once again, they were hiding the information. It was redacted. The pre-process release consisted of documents for the National Center for Analysts of Violent Crimes Research and Development Program regarding the U.S. Secret Service workshop on stalking behavior. Okay? So once again, he did request this information from the FBI, but it was redacted. Okay? Folks, there is a problem in this country, folks. Okay? We are being gang-stalked, stalked, electronic harassed, tortured by satellite weapons. We are targeted individuals, folks. Okay? And they are aware of that. Okay, the documents indicating the breadth of gang stalking. First, LaBella submits a number of documents indicating the breadth of national phenomenon of gang stalking. Okay? Report released by the OJP entitled Stalking Victimization in the United States showing 25% of stalking victims reported either cyber stalking or electronic, electronic monitoring and that over 13% of stalking victims reported being stalked by three or more defenders. I'm going to say it again because it's black and bold. The stalking victimization in the United States showing that over 25% of stalking victims reported either cyber stalking or electronic monitoring and that over 13% of the stalking victims were reported being stalked by three or more offenders. It says, goes on to say here, it says, uh, OJ responds to LaBella's FOIA request stating that 185,000, 185 and 50,000 Americans are being stalked by three or more offenders. I'm going to say it again. OJP response to LaBella's FOI, uh, Office of Justice Department, or OJP. I mean, let me see. Let me go back to see what OJP was. Uh, the OJP in this case, I believe, is uh, Office of the Justice Department. Okay. O Office of Justice Department response to LaBella's FOI requesting the stating that 185,000 Americans are being stopped by three or more defenders. New story in which police lieutenant states that gang stalking is nothing new. That police are becoming more aware of gang stalking because of cyberbullying. Response to request for bell is made of Santa Cruz Police Department for records relating to gang stalking, which includes internal police memo stating that gang stalking has implications to workplace violence. New story about gang stalking in San Antonio, Texas. There's a new story about gang stalking in San Antonio, Texas. Results of internal in, in, in an internet poll entitled "How long have you been victim of gang stalking?" Photograph Billboard Los Angeles advertisement organized gang stalking and remote electronic assaults. Express new story about a rise of flash mob robberies and flash mobbing. Okay, 
And it says these documents are neither FBI records nor contain any mention of the FBI. So presumably LaBella submits them to request suggested since gang stalking is so pervasive and so well known to several government agencies, the FBI must have documents responsive to his FOIA request. Gang stalking is being reported in every state and every country, in nearly every city and the town in the U.S. He goes to say, arguing that the FBI is a nation's leading law enforcement agency and should be presumed to know criminal trends known to other law enforcement agencies, investigators, and other. The fact that those controlling Washington policies are interested in internet conspiracy theories makes the FBI's no record claim on the subject suspect given that gang stalking is, bl- is ablaze on the internet and has been for years. So here you go again. The FBI is unaware of this, supposedly. How can that be? When you have Ted L. Gunderson's affidavit. And he submitted, this is LaBella. LaBella submits an affidavit of Ted L. Gunderson, a licensed private investigator in California who previously served for nearly three decades as a head of three FBI field offices and assistant section of chief at FBI headquarters. Gunderson's affidavit states that it is his professional opinion that the FBI is involved and has an investigative files on subject of gang stalking, related gang stalking methods, and gang stalking groups in the FBI's vast intelligence files. That they are responsive to Mr. LaBella's FOIA complaint. Gunderson asserts that the FBI may be using unique code name and nomenclature of gang stalking phenomena in its records, but that does not change his opinion that he has files on gang stalking. Okay. The affidavit also states that the FBI and other intelligence agencies are administering and covering up the rogue, covert government criminal enterprise of gang stalking. Okay. So it's like LaBella, uh, like LaBella Gunderson, whose employment with the FBI in 1979 offers little more than speculation. He provides no tangible evidence supporting his theory that the FBI is involved in or has access to records in gang stalking, let alone calling into question reasonable of the FBI search of records. Gunderson vaguely asserts that the gang stalking phenomenon appears in the records of both FBI and the NSA in their records pertaining to the Echelon program, Carnivore system, and Tempest system. And in their records pertaining to the information collected by the NRS system, both he provides an explanation either of the basis and assertion of nature of the information of gang stalking that supposedly appears in these records. Without which there is no way for the court to determine whether the records exist or should reasonably have been discovered in the FBI search. Although Gunnarsson asserts that his files on numerous cases of active uh, pro- programmatic illegal government harassment currently being conducted against thousands of Americans. Gunnarsson does explain that the content of these files does not explain how they are related to the FBI or gang stalking specifically and does not assert that the FBI has the same files and, and, and then that he does. Okay? So it goes on. Uh, documents showing the FBI's FOIA practice. Finally, LaBella submits documents supposedly showing misbehavior by the FBI with respect to the FOIA generally. Okay, uh, news article stating that the FBI withheld records from the court pursuant to the FOIA exclusion without explaining the basis for exclusion by affidavit. News articles reporting the FBI used secret withheld records from court pursuant to the FOIA exclusion, explaining the basis of exclusion by affidavit. Okay, so they're hiding the conspiracy, folks. When you request records from the FBI, you want to re- request records records on the term targeted individual. Satellite harassment, electronic harassment, HARP. Uh, let's see what they, what they use. HARP. They use um, gang stalking. These are the certain terms that you want to put down on your FOIA request to the FBI. How long has these complaints been with the FBI? 
When was the first case of targeted individual satellite stalking electronic harassment reported to the FBI? How many cases are in the state of Texas? How many cases are in the United States? They have to provide that to you, folks. Okay? And this case proves it. That, in fact, this case appeared back on... uh, This case was filed back on 2011. My document, my lawsuit was filed back in 2000, folks. And I did the same thing, but they ignored it. And I went on and on investigating this and and talked to several legislators and they still ignored me. So here we are in the U.S. Supreme Court now. In relating to, to documentations requested back from 2000 to 20 years later. Documents requested, but denied. Information requested, but denied. The same concept. And this they were neglecting to hear these cases in America about being tortured, about being gang stalked, electronically harassed. Why doesn't Americans have the right in the court to appear and present this to a judge? Why isn't these cases in the Supreme Court with the new technology? And it's because they're hiding the conspiracy. They're trying to track and torture Americans around the world. But one thing is for certain. They have a whistleblower act to protect the people who blow the whistle on the CIA, the FBI, and the NSA. And what do they go do? Dr. Robert Duncan and Jesse Ventura on YouTube. Look at his video. He posted that, yes, Americans are attacked by satellite weapons. He wrote a book called Taming a Demon. He wrote a book called Project Soulcatcher. Okay. Karen Milton Stewart and another NSA whistleblower. She's aware of the gang stalking and torching. Okay, these people are out there to to exploit what's going on. But at the same time, these judges are denying the American the right to due process of the law, the right to hear the complaint, the right to discover blueprints, the right to discover evidence from the FBI. The judge should be able to discover this evidence in court. How many cases have been reported to the FBI? How many people are reported to the FBI of being targeted and tortured? It is the judge's it is the judge's duty to investigate this. If this case is happening around the world, why are federal judges ignoring this? This case, like I said, was in New York City, Brooklyn, New York. Okay? Think about that, folks, but somebody's hiding a conspiracy, and it's not fair, folks. Uh, We are not dummies, and and, and I think that uh, we need an answer, folks. Thank you, and God bless. More cases coming to you soon. Okay, folks, here I come. Another case right back to you uh, for discussion on this podcast. Uh, this court case is uh, from the United States District Court, uh, WD, Kentucky, at Louisville. 
the court is Mar- the the court case is Marshall versus Green. Judge presiding is Chief Judge John Hayburn the second. Here we go. This matter is before the court for initial review of the complaint under Title 28 U.S.C. 1915A. For the reasons set forth below, the court will dismiss this action because it fails to state a claim upon which the relief can be granted and is frivolous. Here we go again. The judges are calling this case frivolous about torturing and targeting individuals. How do we get our point across, folks? We have whistleblowers and then we have judges who are all denying the case. The whistleblower are saying this has happened and judges are denying the case. Why? Here goes the case. Plaintiff Connie Marshall brings a suit against defendant Leonard Green, the clerk of the U.S. Court of Appeals for the Sixth Circuit. Marshall sues defendant Green in both his individual and official capacity. She claimed that defendant Green has intentionally committed fraud, abuse of power, violation of federal rules and civil procedure, violation of administrative procedure, violation of color of law, instruction of justice. Marshall states that she spoke to defendant Green and requested the judge's name that dismissed her appeal, case number 09-6003, Marshall versus Hubbard, ETAL. She claimed that defendant Green refused to give her information that she requested exceeded his authority by signing the order. Marshall states that this case is related to criminal conspiracy against her by various state and federal officials. Marshall explains that the electromagnetic assaults, gang stalking, mind control, and V2K uh, cannot be denied or hidden anymore due to the fact that there are too many victims and there have they have court cases and they're also over the all over the internet. Under 28 U.S.C. 1915, which governs informal pompers proceeding, this the court has has a mandatory to hear the case. And like I said, uh, you know, it, it, it's the striking complaint is continuously gang stalking, folks, torture, satellite weapons. And we're presenting these cases to the courts, and what happens, folks? They call it as frivolous. They call us uh, unreal, unbelievable. Uh, they, they call us, uh, you know, delusional. And what's happening, folks, is that these judges are denying cases, and what happens? It, they're calling these people insane, and what happens? They go file a complaint with Social Security Administration. The Social Security Administration doesn't investigate this, and they wind up paying a disability pension. Which is sad because you have a duty as a federal government agency to invest, investigate these complaints. You have a duty as an FBI agent to investigate these complaints. And you sure has a duty as a judge to investigate it. Do you take the time to investigate as a judge? No, you don't. Should those judges be impeached? Yes. Should the FBI be sued? Yes. The FBI should be sued because they're a law enforcement of this country. You are out there to protect Americans protect the country from domestic terrorism in violation of civil rights, which you swore to protect in Quantico, Virginia, coming out of as an agent. And now you're trying to block this, 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 this technology and this, this terrorism because you're enjoying the torture of Americans, which is treason. Okay? I want to continue on, but I had to stop there because my computer uh, just stopped for some reason. I won't say why, but I think I'm being hacked here. They don't like me posting these cases on the web. But I'll come back to you tomorrow, man. Uh, I enjoy posting, posting these cases. I want you, the people. I'm working for you, the people, because I think you need to be informed of what's going on. You need to research these cases and look at these cases and figure out how to get to the court system and how to get to your congressman and your senator on this next election. You should be questioning the senators and elections of how come this is going on and why aren't judges hearing the cases. 
You appoint these judges, you appoint the senators, and you appoint the congressmen. You ask them a question with the next voting poll. Hey, you want you want my vote? Explain this to me. Why is this going on in our courts? Why are people filing complaints of being harassed, attacked by satellite weapons, gang stalking, electronic harassment? What's what's going on in our country? They should be able to tell you this. If they can't tell you, they don't deserve your vote, folks. Thank you and God bless. Okay, I'm coming back at you with another case. This is from the state of Colorado in the United States Court of Appeals for the Tenth Circuit. And the individual is called uh, Afshvin Bampar, A-F-S-H-I-N. Barpar is spelled B-A-H-R-A-M-P-O-U-R as the appellant. This case was, is uh, heard on February 21st, 2020 by Christopher M. Wolpert, clerk of the court. Case number is going to be 19-1254. D.C. court in Colorado is number 1-19-CV-01362-LTB-GBPG. Uh, That's in Colorado. The defendants are going to be Secretary of Air Force. Office for Human Resource Protection, Department of Health and Human Services, Defense Advanced Research Project Agency also known as DARPA, 5th Space Wing Public Affairs Digital Receiver Technologies, Inc., United States Outer Orbit Space Agency, UNOOSA, Fidelity Investments, Ray Kurzweil, Singulatory University, Singulatory University, NASA Campus, Patrick Shanahan, Secretary of Defense, Director of National Science and Foundation, U.S. House Committee for Armed Services, William Barr, U.S. Attorney General, Sony Purdue, S-O-N-N-Y Purdue, Agriculture, Secretary of Agriculture, Steve Solselec, Nevada Governor Aaron D. Ford, Nevada Attorney General, Joint Force Headquarters, Defense Information System Agency, Administrator of the National Aeronautics and Space Administration, Chair of the Nuclear Regulatory Commission, Chair of the Consumer Product Safety, Commission Skunk Works, Assistant Secretary of Defense for Special Operations, Low Intensity Conflict, Special Operations Policy, Oversight Council, Secretary of Commerce, Secretary of Labor, Secretary of Health and Human Services, Ben Carson, uh, Secretary of Housing, Urban Development, Secretary of Transportation, Secretary of Energy, Secretary of Education, Secretary of Veterans Affairs, Under Secretary of Defense for Research and Engineering, Director of Central Intelligence Agency, uh, Administration of Environmental Protection Agency, Administrator of the Agency of International Development. These are the defendants. Okay. So he was ordered uh, by the two, the three circuit judges called Math- Matheson, McKay, and Bachrock. And... Mr. Afshin in this case claiming that he's being attacked by electromagnetic space, uh, spectrum weapons. Okay. And, and in this case here, the judge again calls it frivolous, delusional. Okay. But in this case, I mean, how do you, how do you call it delusional when you have a whistleblower such as Robert Duncan, such as Karen Milton Stewart, claiming and, and filing a whistleblower's claim against NASA, against NSA, and against the CIA for doing this? Who's right? Okay, who is right when we have these cases that are pending in the court and the judges are denying, uh, calling these cases frivolous, you know, and, and, and delusional? How, how do you, how do you, how do you, you know, call, how do you do that as a judge when in fact, so the facts that we have whistleblowers, okay? Look and research that case, but I'm just giving you the basic information. Uh, this case is, was heard in the district of, we're coming from Colorado. This case is in Colorado, okay? So it's all over the country. Thank you.